Welcome to Talk Tennis, a podcast created specifically for you, the tennis fanatic. Join us each week as we work to elevate your game both on and off the court. We will deliver fresh episodes to keep you up to date with tennis trends and technologies, as well as exclusive interviews with industry experts, current and former pros, and so much more. Here's your host, Michelle. There's no doubt about it. My guest today does not lack on enthusiasm or passion for the sport of tennis. With the nickname Dual Hand Luke because he could crank his first serve over 130 miles an hour, both right and left handed. No, no, wait. They they didn't go in. They didn't go in. Remember, they just want, again, no fake news here. (laughs) Don't tell them that. (laughs) This former ATP star has recorded wins over Agassi, Sampras, Connors, Borg, and McEnroe. Okay, McEnroe was defaulted. (laughs) Sampras had a broken arm. And then Andre was actually married to Brooke Shields at the time. So there are a couple of mullies in there. Okay. Oh my gosh. Yeah, very important. And then I think it was Michael Chang. It was actually Carl Chang, oh. not Michael Chang. So there, get, you know, get you just the right gotta... Chang in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What yeah. about that French Open doubles title? That's well, that's that was legit. Be- that was before the war. Okay. A lot of people don't remember. It was in black and white. Not many yeah, yeah, people yeah. signed up. I think we. I think we were the only team that year that signed up. Yeah. So they had to give it to somebody. <laughs> Now he's the vice president of Awesome at World Team Tennis. Right. That's right. Because they had to figure out, like, what do I do at World Team Tennis? Because I used to play, I coach, I do the broadcasting, um, and then sales and marketing and things like that. So it's just like awesome. Yeah, I think that's the best title ever. I, I say that on my business card, I wanted it to say tennis badass. So that is, yeah, right? that's awesome. There that we go. Great. Well, anyways, you guys, welcome Luke Jensen to talk tennis today. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. And also, I have to say, I have been in tennis forever. You have been in tennis forever. I was walking down the hall the other day talking about you, and I was like, no, 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 no. He was like the Bryan brothers before the Bryan brothers. <laughs> before the Bryan brothers were born or their parents were born. We yeah. were something else. We yeah. were something else. Yeah. So for our young listeners out there, talk to us about how you got your start in tennis. Talk to us about your double success with your brother. And uh, you came from a pretty competitive family, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I was very lucky to to have the right, what I call life coaches. And our life coaches are our parents. They're, they're never uh, going to leave us. They're going to be there worried about us 24-7 for the rest of our lives and we're very fortunate if we get a couple of good ones. Yes. And it's in in tennis has had, you know, a laundry list, a long list of burnouts because mom and dad no longer make tennis fun. Just because you can hit a forehand at 100 miles an hour or you win something in the 12s and 14s and you show promise, that is just one small element to it. And so for me, I grew up in a very small town with parents uh, who grew up from parents who grew up in the Great Depression. So mm-hmm. they understood values. And sports really wasn't in the landscape for my parents. Um, it was hard work. It was contributing to a family unit in a small area in Michigan. So when my parents were having kids, they wanted to give their kids the opportunity of sports. Mm-hmm. My mom was a very frustrated before Title IX basketball player at six foot two, played in high school, but couldn't play at the next level. Wow. My dad... Uh, played for the New York Giants for a very short period of time. I call it a cup of coffee. And then <laughs> they didn't make any money back then and then moved on. But it was always kind of, you know, sports was their drive and they wanted to give the opportunity to their kids. And so I have a brother and two younger sisters. 
and we played everything. And, and we settled, my parents settled in a very small town in Michigan. And uh, there were phys ed teachers that coached high school athletics. So my dad coached high school football and tennis. Um, and my mom was high school gymnastics in 1973 when Title IX emerged. And now young girls had the opportunity, if they did well in their sports, to get college scholarships. Mm -hmm. So there was a great kind of pathway. So honestly, growing up in those gymnasiums, on those practice fields, on those tennis courts, watching my parents bring a community of kids together that they had kind of raised in phys ed class from kindergarten to 12th grade and taught them values of hard work and, you know, confidence and self-esteem and things. And, and it wasn't for the best. It was for all, for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so growing up as a little kid on the backboard during the practice sessions, or I'd be throwing footballs, whatever I was doing, there was always the collective. And so I think that that kind of basis of kind of looking at what effort was and, and you how you won and how you lost and the sportsmanship behind it and the work ethic. And I was just very fortunate to grow up where everybody had a chance to play. Mm -hmm. Tennis kind of got in there as one of the sports because by the time I was 13 and 14, I was kind of making a, a decision. You know, what am I going to do? And at that age, you really got to focus on one sport instead of three or four if you want to really go into that college level. Right. professional sports, you know, was just a dream. I, I was just trying to get a college scholarship in one of the sports. And tennis, honestly, was was one of these sports where I looked out and I, I was very fortunate my second year of 14s to, to qualify for nationals. And I went down the nationals and I got triple crowned, which means, and it's, it's you really have to be bad to do this. You <laughs> lose first round singles, first round back draw, first round doubles. No. And and I didn't win a set. I barely I think I only I calculated like 5 games. Oh shoot. But the one thing that happened was uh in those times, you know, you went on your own. You didn't bring in your coach and you my parents uh didn't have enough money to go cuz Murphy was playing his nationals in the 12 and under and I had two sisters that were under 10 at that point. So the uh so I got to really on my own kind of see if I'm the top 128. Well, let's say I've lost all my matches, I'm number 128. I want to go watch what number one in the nation looks like, mm -hmm. what number two in the nation, three in the nation. And what I found was, was that outside of being able to put the ball in the court and understand how to really be consistent in the game, I was bigger, stronger, faster. So in football, I'd go to these camps, these quarterback camps at University of Michigan or Notre Dame and things. And for my football, and I noticed I was kind of average as an athlete, but mm -hmm. in tennis, I was kind of above average. So the only thing they could do right now at that point was put more balls in play. So going back home, I'm telling my parents, like, I want to play tennis. And they're going, but you only won five games in three <laughs> matches. No, you don't understand. Like this guy, Richie Renneberg, like he's like a little guy. You know, he's moonball. I could beat that guy. Yeah. And they're like, are you sure you can beat that guy? And so, but they believed in me and they right. believed in our goals and dreams. And, and to be honest, tennis was the one thing that united our family. So, you know, my sisters and my brothers, my parents, my grandparents, we could all go to tournaments and we could play. And it was the one uniter, the glue that kept us consistent instead of one's playing soccer, the other one's playing football, another one's playing tennis. Mm -hmm. So it became our family sport. And uh, we just kept marching along with good hard work and it all kind of worked out. 
Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> Do you guys still uh, get to play together with the, when you all get back? Yeah. In, I'm sure you guys are all spread out across the country, but you all still get back on the court and hang out and compete? Yeah. So, Mur- well, we're always competing. It's amazing yeah. the competitive. Murphy just brought me up to Alaska for my 54th birthday. Nice. So we're up there and we're having a great time fishing for Alaskan salmon. And he's counting. Okay, I've got one. You've got zero. I've got three. You've got one. So I think the secret sauce for the Jensen's is that we we just competed every day. It was yeah. always a competition of who won, who lost. And if you didn't like the result, get out and practice harder, mm-hmm. run faster, hit some more serves. And I think when we did step on the big stages for a French Open or we played the best players in the world, we we're so used to high level of competition that nerves weren't even part of it. It was just you were always in attack mode when we were playing and living. So you get in these situations and people would ask, were you ever nervous? I I was always just competing. I wanted to play the best on the planet. So whether it was practice, my mindset was always just attack, attack, attack. And when it was over, then I'd be pissed off if I lost or, <laughs> you know, go out. It, it always fueled my progress because I'd, if I didn't like the result, go get better. Yeah. Um, so the competition was always real every day in our family. I believe it. I'm one of those that's insanely competitive, too. I was going to ask you, do you ever find it to be frustrating to be that competitive in life? Or do you just like own it as it's a part of you and just keep moving forward and realizing like that's what makes you you? It's funny. I again, I'll go back to my parents. They The only thing they stressed to us was 100 percent effort, Mm -hmm. just effort. And that that wasn't just as hard as you could, you know, try or as fast as you could run. But it was also an attitude. Like we could win, but we had a John McEnroe attitude and we're breaking rackets and they'd be pissed and we we weren't allowed to go to the next tournament. We could lose. I remember specifically losing matches 0-0 and I had this great attitude. My knees would be bloody because I was diving around the courts and everything. <laughs> and they would high five me and goes, that, that's that's what a Jensen does. A Jensen nice. never quits. And, and I just got a lot of approval from my parents through effort. So I think... The competitive side is, is when I was playing, that's how I calibrated victory. Mm-hmm. Whether I won or lost, it was it was clearly, you know, this life journey, this this river going down was going to be the long run and not, did I win today? Did I win the trophy? Did, you know, this and that. You don't, you're not supposed to like it. Right. But it's always perspective. Did I accomplish really the family goal, which is, did you give 100% effort? And we have this thing called Jensen's Never Quit. So we never really quit on ourselves. And if we played doubles with our partners and especially our siblings and things like that. So I think I was lucky, even though I'm ultra competitive, Mm -hmm. I know if I go out there and I give my best and I finish last, I still won the day. Totally. Nice. That's good. We need more of this right now (laughs) in the world. (laughs) Well, it's a perspective. It's hard. It's hard. I mean, you look at someone like Coco Goff and, and, you know, she is going to be our supernova our megastar for a lot of years but you know a year ago if you i think there was an article that came out not too long ago that after she lost the french open qualies Mm -hmm. she's 15 years old and she was depressed she was thinking about taking the year off if she takes the year off after that match in the qualies she doesn't play wimbledon Mm -hmm. she doesn't beat venus she doesn't have the big you know breakout yeah she doesn't play the us open i mean Think about that. It would be, boy, there's this talented player, 
but she's, you know, you just have to keep going. Yeah. And if it's, if it's <laughs> what you want to do, like for me, I wanted to be the best player in the world. Mm-hmm. It just happened to be tennis. And I put all of my energies into that. And whether I lost, it was part of the process. Mm-hmm. You can't get better unless you find out truly where you are, what's breaking down and you keep moving forward. But yeah, no, I, I it's, it's someone like that that has unlimited potential to remember it's just a match. Yeah. Learn from it and move forward. And the fact that she's just 15 and is pushing through, yeah, she's no she's 16 now, but at the oh, time, 15, 15, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> 16, yeah, but it, it's just Actually, incredible. I knew that because I think she turned 16 right around BMP. March, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. March, yeah. yeah. So actually, I was going to bring that up. I think you were at Indian Wells also. Were you actually out there? No, I was on my way. I know we okay. had, a, you know, we we're supposed to do this. Uh, we just did the World Team Tennis All Star event in, right, San in San Diego. Yeah, and that's when everything, everybody pulled the plug. Okay, so uh, backpedaling to March, we were all getting ready, and then COVID hit, and we all got quarantine. And tennis has looked a little different for all of us tennis players, recreational, pro, all of the people. Um, so, how have you spent the last few months keeping busy? <laughs> I've been very fortunate. So, when I was at the uh, Westside Tennis Club, mm-hmm. um, the club closed on March sixteenth, and uh, it was you know everybody kind of went where their safe haven was. And for me, I was very fortunate. My parents had always kept their house in a small town called Ludington, Michigan, population eight, 9,000. And it's, wow. it's really, it's right on the coast of Lake Michigan. So this is like my happy place. So I was able to park it here, but the club turned into a virtual club. We were doing okay. all of our, uh, whether it's adult programs, junior programs, anything that we normally did, we did it virtually. And so that kept the, the membership engaged, that kept the membership improving. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just any way we can connect like we are right now. Right. It, it's The world will never be the same. So we kind of shifted into that. So I was actually pretty busy uh, every day and doing different things. And, and then I would say, you know, in, in May, when the governor of New York started to open up, I just didn't have the heart to go back to New York, to be perfectly honest. We talked off air about this. Yeah. And so I shifted into... Um, kind of, you know, what is next? And so fortunately, World Team Tennis, about a few weeks after that, decided they're going to move forward at the Greenbrier Resort uh, for all nine teams, uh, 21 days of just matches, matches, matches. I think 66 matches with some of the best players in the world that are looking for matches. So you got Venus playing, you've got Kim Kleister's playing, you know, you've got so many amazing uh, players that are just being part of this that have never, not since the seventies have they had so many amazing players. So Kennan's playing, you know, the reigning Australian open champion. Dang. So I was very fortunate to, you know, get the gig and, and been a part of them for a long time. And so it's just been extraordinary. That's amazing. We love World Team Tennis. And I'm actually very excited that they are going to be playing in kind of this off-season time because I don't think a lot of our listeners or even tennis fans know that this exists or yeah. get to watch it. So can you explain to me how it's going to be a little bit different this year and what changes you guys have made? Yeah, so we've been very fortunate. First, the safety protocol, mm-hmm. making sure you know everyone is tested before they get there. That's every every player, every guest. Um, I'm bringing my, uh, my niece to come down. She's 11 years old. She's crazy nice. about tennis. So, yes. you know, so everyone who's associated with a player, with a staff member is going to get tested uh, seven days out and have okay. a negative test before we get into the bubble. And then you're there. Okay. And then from there, 
we are having fans. One of the reasons uh, CEO Carlos Silva, you know, they made the choice to go to the Green Bar in West Virginia because they were the ones that allowed fans. So we have 500 per day. Okay. So it's 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 a little bit like a grand slam where you buy your ticket and you get all this tennis between three and four matches a day at the courts. And so it's going to be isolated, but televised all over the place. So you got this, you're in front of NFL, you're in front of the ATP, the WTA, NHL, NBA. So we start July 12th okay. and we're going on, you know, ESPN platforms, CBS platforms, a tennis channel platform. So we're just booming right now. We Roundage is playing for Orange County. I mean, new players are coming in, dropping out of the sky because they need to play. And with the as soon as the U.S. Open said, we're going with the green light, now everyone's like, it's real. We got to get mm-hmm. on the court and start competing. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you've been tuning into the Charleston tennis this week. Oh, yeah. It's been awesome to watch those ladies compete, and they all look like they're having so much fun. Yeah. And it, it feels like everyone, because they've missed competing so much, is just so happy to be back. And it, everyone gets to see their friends again kind of thing, too. And it's team. You played on team. Yes. And I think if it was just a normal tournament and they'd be, you know, U.S. Open's going to be for real. Like mm-hmm. they're taking the gloves off and it's yeah. like rock and roll. Someone's going to come home with a lot of money and a bunch of points. And the French is right after that. So if, if everything stays, right. I mean, everything changes every hour. But but I, I think when you add the teams together, now it's a little less pressure. Mm-hmm. You're, 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 you know, you're counted on to perform for your teammates. They're performing for you. I love that format. I've always been a huge fan of Charleston and the Family Circle Cup mm-hmm. and Volvo. It's Volvo now, but the uh, they've done such a great job for women's tennis down there. Um, it's the largest single women's only event in the world. It's been that way. Chris Evers played, Navratilova's played, everybody's played. So it's a great event. And then that goes right into what we're doing, team. The difference is we're going to have – we've always had music in between points, so we'll have a DJ. Oh, cool. So I think we'll fill the atmosphere a little bit more. Yeah. Our teams will be on the sideline. We'll have social distancing, but an actual team on the sideline. Like I see in the Charleston event, <laughs> Sloan's here. <laughs> someone's over there. You know, and, and you're kind of clapping, but you're not clapping. You don't want to tick anybody off. But You guys will get rowdy. At oh, World no, Game we're tennis. totally going to get rowdy. Oh, we're, we're, we've already getting after it. I've got – Marty Fish is on my team. Jack Dock is on my team. So I, I've got so many cool players. And then, you know, the the other players are just, they're just so into it. We've all been kind of getting all psyched up, ready to go, get to West Virginia. We want it to start. We want this whole thing to break out and get after it. Nice. I'm excited about this. Um, can you tell me how the drafting of the team works? Do you, do you literally get to draft your players? It used to be that way. So um, okay. you used to have a draft and uh, you would do all this, you know, where you pick because the worst team the year before got the draft first and things okay. like that. And then this year they decided total free agency. Okay. You just go out and if you can convince Naomi Osaka to play yes. and you can agree to the cash. You can get her to play. Like, I love it. Roger turned me down. I was a little disappointed. Like, Raj. <laughs> of course on. you asked, though. I'm so proud you of you. Gotta you gotta ask. Yeah. The worst thing to say is no. Right? <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, we were. Yeah, that goes back to my playing days. You know, I would ask like Agassi to play, Sapras to play, oh, and they'd look it. at me really weird. Like, well, you gotta <laughs> ask. Right? 
Oh, a hundred percent. So, uh, uh, Roger, Roger turned me down this year, but, uh, it's, it's very interesting. We have nine teams and we have different philosophies, how you, how you take your players. I think Philadelphia is the most dynamic because over the last couple of years, they've had, in my opinion, the most lethal weapon in world team tennis and a lethal weapon in world team tennis is the Martina Navratilova mold the Martina Hingis mold a female that can play all your events. So can play your women's singles and dominate, Mm -hmm. women's doubles and mix. And so historically that is your weapon. In Philadelphia, they have Taylor Townsend. And she's one of my favorite players to watch. Her work ethic is extraordinary. She's one of the smartest players in the world on the court. And in World Team Tennis in this format, that there's no BS. Like you've got to get right into it. It's no ad scoring. You play the let's. And it's it's music, it's chaos. She's she clicks in really well, and we saw her beat Halep last year at the U.S. Open. Yeah, on Arthur Ashe Stadium, and she served and volleyed seventy three times. I mean, when was the last <laughs> yeah. time anybody, male or female, served and volleyed seventy three times, like since Edberg or Rafter? Right. And <laughs> and she won, and 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 she uh, she uses World Team Tennis to really sharpen her skills. And for us. You know, we looked at the at the landscape, and so we got Sabine Lasicki. Nice. You know, holds the world record as a uh, as Fast the fastest serve, yeah. one thirty one. What I liked is she also holds the record for the most aces in a match on the WTA tour, which is twenty seven. Nice. So she's like a flamethrower. And then then you know we've got Kaveta Peshki, who has been a, a historic top player on the WTA tour in doubles, mm-hmm. and then bringing in Kim Kleisters. So Kim Kleisters is the X factor. She's come back to the tour. She played Muguruza pretty close. Yeah. I think it was in Doha right after the Australian Open. And I, I just love that component because now I've got some options to be kind of a mad scientist to see how the lineup kind of matches our opponents. And um, and it's, again, we talked about competition. Everybody wants to win. There's a yeah. million dollars out there in bonus money to win, and we all like the cash. <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't <laughs> i know i mean let's be real <laughs> that's so fun i want i want to play dang i wasn't i wasn't recruited this year maybe next year <laughs> uh, again i think you're asking for too much you and fat i think wanted too many zeros on that oh chat. shoot oh uh, yeah we do have high standards <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I did have a question for you. Also, uh, we have a young lady that we sponsor, uh, Haley Carter, who is a top 50 doubles player playing her first world team tennis. So what else can she expect besides all this loud fun? Anything else that we can coach her with on her first day? (laughs) Well, she's she's always been a huge talent. She came out of the juniors with a massive forehand, went to North Carolina, really Mm -hmm. You know, those Tar Heels are tough to to play against, that ACC conference. And then what I like is she never gave up on her pro dream, even when she was in juniors and when she went to college, where a lot of the players kind of lose that steam to take Mm -hmm. it to the next level. They move their life in another direction. She didn't. I watched her play at the Australian Open this year in doubles, and she was just delightful. I think she's going to be a real factor in world team tennis because you got to win in the doubles. Remember, three of the five sets are doubles. And – because she has that college tennis experience, the rah-rah stuff, a lot of players don't really fall in line with the cheering and the music. She's <laughs> going to be perfect. I mean, watching her play, she's, I mean, from watching her as a junior to where she is now as a professional, she really gets it. She understands the work ethic, the mentality of, you know, the competition and the pressure. 
And then the high five, I don't know if we're even allowed to high five now. I think it's elbow fives or racket yeah. fives. Yeah, but whatever racket. we're doing, <laughs> she, uh, I mean, when I watched her at the Australian Open, I hadn't seen her since college. And and she really was perfect because and this is when I was kind of look at my squad. You know, I'm looking mm-hmm. who's going to fill out yeah. my roster. And she was always supporting her teammate. She was never getting down if, if her teammate was playing bad or playing the blame game. And so I, I think she's going to do a lot. What you have to look for is for everybody who comes out of this three-week season is going to be playing really well. I mean, I always played my best tennis after World Team Tennis. You look at like a guy like Neil Skupski. He was on my team last year. He's on our team again this year. Mm -hmm. He got to the semifinals of doubles at the U.S. Open. Mm -hmm. Everybody from playing all these pressure points, so many matches over and over. And I think because now we're in one site – we'll have more chance to practice. Oh, yeah, for most, sure. Most of the time you, you play, you get done at about 10, 1030, and you have to get up at 530 to go to the next city, get on a van, get, out, get on, a, on a plane. So I think there's going to be more practice to even sharpen where no one else on the planet, ha- they're playing like exhibitions. Right. Where When you're playing for this much dough, I think the biggest thing is watch how Haley is Post World Team Tennis, okay. And how I'll she, be ready. You know, yeah, she's she's, <laughs> she's going to learn take a lot. On the U.S. Open, so yeah, watch out. <laughs> yeah. Whoever's um, left, I mean, listen, we may be yeah. in the U.S. Open. <laughs> Let's go. The way things are going. <laughs> I'll take a mixed doubles title. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Are there any other names that we should be looking out for that maybe we're not as familiar with for that are playing World Team Tennis? Well, there, there's this one veteran that just announced that she'll be playing Venus Williams. Hey, she'll be playing. So she, she's. You know, I, I think the biggest thing, you know, Ryan Harrison is, is, you know, he won World Team Tennis a couple of years ago. He's always used World Team Tennis to sharpen his skills. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you really have to go on the website, to be honest, because the names keep adding up. People are, are shuffling all the time. But I think the, the biggest thing is Stevie Johnson's playing, I think, for Orange County. Um, right now, I've got the Washington Castles on the 13th. So I haven't looked beyond that okay. because that's Venus Williams. They've got that's my brother's old team. He won no six, yeah, World Team Tennis Championships <laughs> with them. So, you know, he's still picking. My brother is picking the castles over my team. So it's just Yikes. like, so I have got to win that match. So no pressure. Making, make, exactly. So <laughs> making sure Marty's ready and Neil's ready and, and the rest of the team is ready is, is really mission critical for me right now. And just honestly, making sure everybody gets their tests mm-hmm. that we got that line. A lot of the safety protocols, honestly, yeah. that we don't run into what Novak ran into in Serbia and the optics too. We want everyone in the tennis world to know that we're definitely taking this seriously. Obviously the social climate, there is no better league in the world, in my opinion, that has supported starting in 1973 with, with Billie Jean King, you know, a sport, a a team league that has men and women playing for the same kind of pressure uh, for the same equality than world team tennis and everything from the inclusion, the diversity and everything. So I'm really psyched to be out in front of this. Mm -hmm. And I'm psyched for tennis in the U.S. Open to get up because tennis, again, in 1973, the U.S. Open was the very first Grand Slam to go equal prize money. So we've always been about, and of course, Arthur Ashe, huge winner in 1968. Mm -hmm. 70 years ago this year, Althea Gibson broke the color barrier at the Westside Tennis Club during the U.S. Open. The original nine, the original nine with the $1 bill, who started the WTA tour. That was 50 years ago. So this is a very significant moment for us in tennis and for the world socially, how we can really get behind 
where we're going as a as a society forward. Yeah, for sure. I love it. It's deep, isn't it? I just it's got so deep on deep. you. I know. Went I forgot. Right in there. <laughs> I actually did want to bring up Billie Jean King because I know she's been heavily involved still to this day, I think, with World mm-hmm. Team Tennis. And are there any other coaches that you can talk about that are going to be out there? I know there's usually a good coaching squad as well on these teams. Yeah. You know, Rick Leach was my college roommate at Southern Cal. Nice. He won a bunch of Grand Slams and Davis Cup. So he's coaching. Orange County, John Lloyd, the famous John Lloyd from England. Mm-hmm. He coaches San Diego. Craig Carden coaches Philly. You know, a bunch of most of Diego. He's coaching Springfield. I mean, Kamal's coaching in Chicago. I mean, we have these coaches calls, and all we do is talk trash to each other the whole time. <laughs> uh, you know, you shouldn't have got, you yeah. shouldn't have got that player. Well, Sloan Stevens is playing, so she's playing for. I mean, there's so many good like I just like awesome. all these like Grand Slam champions <sighs> are popping up. And the uh, it's just going to be a lot of fun because we are kind of locked in. And I, I truly believe we all understand the significance of what we're doing out front. Mm-hmm. There, there's not going to be another tour event. There's not going to be other sports going on. There's definitely nothing live with fans. Yeah. And making sure everybody's safe, making sure that we are promoting this beautiful game that has so much inclusion and diversity that is equality and and. It, that's the essence of what Billie Jean King from 1973, the very first draft, first season was in 74. She owns part owner of Philadelphia now and still very active mm-hmm. um, on, she was at the finals last year where we lost. She was part owner last year of my team in New York. And she was so mad at me because I screwed up on the tactics, but talking about the ultimate, no. <laughs> the ultimate competitor, but you know, she is, I always reach out to her for wisdom. We are very fortunate to have her, and her spirit, her energy, her intelligence to move this thing forward in this time where we can really use our sport as a as a platform to strike right now and make sure that whatever craziness is going on in the world, you know, there's something special going on in tennis. Yeah, I actually did a podcast with some WTA players last week, and we talked kind of all about this and how maybe before in tennis, we wouldn't really speak up about it. But now everyone's kind of talking about equality and even like sustainability efforts and just a little bit of everything. And it is fun to watch even right now, Charleston, we're seeing ladies from all different backgrounds and different ages, even Mm -hmm. different, you know, and they're coming together and and they're representing on the tennis court. And it sounds like world team tennis is just going to keep doing good things yeah. like that as well. Well, I think we, we've always been very blessed from Arthur Ashe, mm-hmm. Stan Smith, you know, Chris Everett, Billie Jean King, and all the others that really kind of laid the groundwork for us to take what's going on in the world today and use our platform. And I, yeah. I, I truly believe we've just been very blessed to have it so easy. You know, we really have, I mean, really, Billy had to fight for those, and those women of the original line had to fight for equal prize money. Yeah. Remember, Wimbledon didn't like kind of wake up until Venus, who was the current number one in the early 2000s, said, hey, we got to have equal prize money at Wimbledon. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, from 73 at the U.S. Open in the early 2000s, that's a lot of that's space. Crazy. But it's it's strong women, and it's, it's, it's people that accept. And I, I really think you're going to see a breakout with more women coaching men. Oh, you know, I, I was love listening that. To, Maresmo. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, Andy Murray was know. on the BBC, yeah, BBC <laughs> the other day. And he was he was raised by a very strong, mm-hmm. intelligent, capable woman. Uh, Judy Murray is one of the best in the business. And you get her on a podcast. She oh, is, oh, goals. Go for it. Absolutely. Oh, gosh. So, I want to take her to dinner, though, and yeah. just like, have drinks. And- <laughs> yeah. Give, give me the scoop. Give me the yeah. scoop. 
but uh, she's so committed to her stuff. And so I think this is tennis has always been compared to other sports. So progressive. Yeah. And I think we're just going to continue the ball rolling just because I, I truly believe when you play a global sport like tennis and you grow up where, you know, men and women, boys and girls are playing at the same tournaments all the time. It's our best business model. No one else touches us. Basketball doesn't football golf doesn't touch us. You know, we play four Super Bowls a year and men and women getting the same equal prize money coming together and people from around the world. I mean, I was blessed to play this game. I was, I am honored to say that I got a chance through a tennis racket and just hitting on a backboard and just continue to work hard that I got to see continents and countries and, mm-hmm. and you know, pe- meet people like Nelson Mandela and be coached by Billie Jean King and Arthur Ashe and, you know, get their wisdom and move that message forward. I think sport, the sport of tennis is in a perfect alignment to do something very special with our future champions. That's Coco Goff. That's the young men and women from around the world that are just, they have an open mind. They have more acceptance and willingness and their, their intelligence in the social media platform to really get their message out. Think about, mm-hmm. I mean, you've got Coco Goff, you know, doing a press conference about equality and her message. It wasn't like she's reading from a script. I know <laughs> it was from within. It's coming from her soul. She clearly knows her stuff. And to, to really listen to, you know, a young champion who hits great forehands and backhands, but actually can do something that Arthur and Venus and Serena did and really move the message forward. So cool. And props to her parents, kind of like how yeah. you started this podcast. They have done an amazing job and she is a champion mm-hmm. inside and out. She's awesome. Oh, where do we go from there? What about, let's talk a little, how's your tennis game going? <laughs> <laughs> so we, 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 it was getting heavy for a second. It was I'm getting like, very heavy. <laughs> no, it's good. Um, actually we just celebrated the title nine anniversary the other day. Yep. I don't know if you knew that, but, yeah. um, and you coach college tennis for a bit. Yeah. So maybe you can, we can, we can go back there because I'm always, <laughs> I'm always that strong, like women's rights, like fight for, you know, like anyone that has daughters. I'm like, get them a scholarship. Let's go. The question of my tennis, it's horrible. You know, my body, I've completely lost my gym card. So it's just like, I've got to get myself back into shape. But if the ball comes to me (laughs) right in my strike zone, I actually hit a pretty good. Oh, it's unbelievable. I can just crush it. But as far as the moving, I say yours before any doubles partner I play with. Like before the ball has been struck on the other side, yeah. I just say yours. You got it. <laughs> you got it all day. I was just saying, I was, I was doing a lot of like a lot of hittings and a lot of lessons. So I was hitting a lot. But, you know, the playing thing is, you know, the game just passed me by. I was very fortunate to play a bunch of years and things like that. But I think that the biggest things when I – when I decided to go to college at Southern Cal, I got into broadcast journalism. And so mm-hmm. in, in 94, when ESPN was looking for someone with some communications experience in the locker room that was very relevant, I was one of the few players that had some on camera, behind the camera, some editing experience from college. Mm-hmm. So I was very fortunate. Arthur Ashe encouraged me to go to college instead of turn pro back in 84. So, you know, it's amazing when you keep asking questions and you keep listening, the path kind of opens up and the wisdom from the people who did it before you really kind of help you shape where you're going. So the tennis thing, I love it more than ever before. I'm so into all of that. And then I think it was 05, 06, when I was playing my last US Open, 
a really good friend of mine who was on the USC football team when I was on the tennis team, he ended up getting into the administration side post his playing career and everything. Mm -hmm. And he was the athletic director at Syracuse, big tennis fan, a big yeah. tennis guy. And he said, you know, I want you to be my, you know, new tennis coach. And I'm like, I just finished. I'm working for ESPN. <laughs> I mean, tennis coach. Yeah. It's Syracuse. It's Syracuse. I've never been to Syracuse. So <laughs> it was, it was something I'd never even expected to do. And I was talking to some of the current players, kind of what Brad Gilbert did, like when he coached with Agassi, as soon as mm -hmm. he was done or uh, Darren Cahill. And you see a lot of the announcers that you see today, they, they really post career, they get right into like a, a pro player and continue mm -hmm. that process. Yeah. But for me, I, I was just given this very unique opportunity to go to the college scene and my kind of way was I only recruited American players and Americans that wanted to be professionals through the college pathway, very similar mm -hmm. to what I did mm -hmm. and my brother did, my sisters did. So I, I just, I got into it. Uh, I did it for eight years. I never thought I'd have that much fun working with that level. The, the kids that, you know, that are now doctors and lawyers and they're in the music industry and they got their degrees and they played pro tennis and and you get to compete with them, but you get to see them grow. I think the, right. the biggest moment for me wasn't a win on the court, but my first recruiting class that graduated and you watch them take that next step. And, you know, you just spent four years of, of winning and losing and growing and, and to see that first crew that, that believed in you and you gave everything to them to see them, you know, graduate and then go to either the pro circuit, either going to medical school or wherever they go in life. And you're still in touch with them to this day. It's it was the most incredible thing because I didn't expect it. I didn't expect that that was the real meaning behind it. It's part of it. The academics. Mm -hmm. You're a student athlete, but um, I, I really grew a lot in that experience. My coaching specifically, where instead of telling people what to do, and I just got off the circuit, so I had to recalibrate myself to, you know, what I did as a student athlete. I had to go to school first and then practice. Yeah. As a pro, when I was a pro from, you know, the 80s to 2000s, you know, all I did was think and eat and just concentrate on winning. Right. And how I get better every day. And so you had to recalibrate. Listen, you got to give these kids more rest. You have to allow them to have fun. Whatever fun is. Just <laughs> don't break the law. That but don't was easy. post it on Facebook. <laughs> well, Facebook wasn't around. It just started coming around. But like number one, like listen. Listen, just don't break the law. That's rule. If it's against the law, it's against team rules. So uh, had a lot of fun with that. And, and I started listening more to players rather than tell them kind of what I did. And it doesn't work for everybody. You know, my way was my way. And my brother had a different way and my sisters. And everybody has to get there in their own path. And they pick up things along the way. And so I feel great coaching is someone who listens really well. Someone who who actually tries to get in the mind and the, the mindset of a, an individual. So, you know, I remember practicing one day with one of my student athletes and we're just hitting serves on a random court. And, you know, I'm, I'm tossing her balls and typical coach, keep your arm up, watch the use your legs, you know, telling her stuff. And then I just remember just something clicked. She had missed two serves in a row the same way. So I said to her, I said, you know, what's your uh, what's your adjustment on that? And she goes, what are you talking about? I said, what were you, what are you thinking right now after that second miss? And she goes, do you really want to know? I get, well, yeah, that's the question. I really want to know. And she goes, honestly, I, I say to myself that I, that I saw. Oh no. You can, you can, you can, you can delete that or whatever, but no, no, no. that's what she said. She's that's what she said. I was like,
wait a second. We're not in the finals of Wimbledon. No. We're not, you know what I mean? This <laughs> yeah. is just rare. We're just hitting surface. So that was such an aha moment for me, just like pow, mm-hmm. where like I need to change the way I kind of dig into how I can improve them because I can say all these things, but in the end, if that's how she feels, she's going to carry that to when it counts. So I started just asking more questions in my coaching and getting way more out because if they don't understand the literature, if they don't understand the math to it, right? you know what I mean? So she, you know, this is a person that was, you know, pre-med 4.0, never gotten a less than an A in anything in her life. But that was her mindset if she wasn't perfect. Yeah. And I would explain to them that tennis is not a perfect sport. If you want perfection, go into gymnastics. They have perfect score. And you can go for that. But somebody will judge you. Yeah. Tennis is all littered. The stats is littered with errors and double faults and winners. And, and it tells the story on who makes the fewest errors. And sometimes the person who can just mentally believe in themselves. And, uh, you know, I just... I believe confidence is choice Mm -hmm. because if you go into, well, if I can win this match, if I can beat that person who's ranked above me, I'm going to get this confidence and you'll find. And and, then when you get to the top of the mountain, so I'm holding the trophy at the, at the French open, my brother and I, and we're holding the trophy. And the only thing I'm thinking about is now I want to win Wimbledon. Yeah. I'm not even a lot like this is great. But the next one. Yeah, I want the next one. And so that for me, that drives. On the other side of it, and and my brother has, you know, has a different journey. On the other side, he had never played the French before. He gets the semis of the of the mixed doubles, wins the doubles, he's holding the trophy. He's on the stand. It's it's unbelievable. And in his mind, he's going, I was lucky. I'm not good enough. Like it's it's amazing. So his challenge to really kind of believe in himself yeah. that he is worthy. I mean, and so in tennis, nobody can give you the title. You got to earn it. So by, for me, working with student athletes or players, getting into their psyche of saying, okay, you've missed a serve. It's no big deal. You'll miss another one. Uh-huh. I promise you. <laughs> but do you know how your game works? Do you know how to fix it? All these little nuances, because if you don't fix that process of correction, then they're just going to get in a match and they're not going to know how to fix their second serve or their miss volley because the competitor on the other side, they know you missed your forehand. They're going to test it again. Mm-hmm. They know you've double faulted. They're going to try to get in your headspace. So it's really kind of working with the mind. Everybody's talented. Yeah. But can the, the ones that like the Nadals, the Fetters, these great competitors, like I think Maria Sharapova is such a great competitor. She would, I think she averaged two double faults she would hit two first serves. Yeah. She she would double fall twice a game, but she'd just turn around that little turn and yeah. just reset and go like, who's double falling? What's going on here? But yeah. she's able to win Grand Slams. She'll be in the Hall of Fame because she's mentally so much tougher than most of her opponents. Totally. Well, this podcast is easy for me because I was going to ask you what kind of coaching style you had, but you just answered (laughs) that question. (laughs) And then um, from there, I was just going to say, I would assume working with the athletes during world team tennis kind of gets you, gives you that like connection as being a coach again. Does it ever make you want to be a full-time coach for a tour player or go back to the college scene? That's a great question, by the way. Um, (laughs) The difference is, so when I, I started coaching first last year, my brother coached for a number of years had a lot of success at Washington mm-hmm. with the castles and coach Venus and Serena and Dang. Sam query and the Brian brothers. And, you know, just, I was very fortunate to have him to kind of, okay, 
this is what you do. Cause it really is a short season. Mm-hmm. They come in for yeah. some matches and you just want to make sure they're comfortable and they're, they're just happy. So I'm in this press conference last year with Billie Jean King and it's the New York media and it's, it's uh, you know, new season, new coach and, you know, new facility and, and this and that. And, and so they're asking Billie Jean King all these questions and the the media goes billy you know what's the season look like you know what what's the philosophy of the new york empire yeah she goes don't ask me ask the coach so i'm (laughs) sitting right next to her right and i'm like we're gonna be awesome yeah like we're whatever we're gonna do we're gonna be awesome well we're gonna work on first serves and we're gonna run sprints and no so we became at that moment team awesome okay so funny. So my whole working with this level of player, right? That is so accomplished already, right? They got their yeah. own coaches. They got yeah. their Svengalis. They got them whatever they got going. So then they had this bald, large bald <laughs> man come at them. And so I said, you know, in our first, you know, kind of team bonding event, yeah. and and we did this like little mystery tour in New York. It was really cool. And we sat down for dinner. I said, it's real simple. I respect all of you. You're drafted because of your experience, your ability to play under pressure. You know, there are a lot of factors that go into why we drafted you to win. But basically, you know, my only request is that at the end of this, whether we're winning or losing, that we have more fun than anybody else. I, I mean, I, I want every, I want us to lead the league and yeah. having so much fun. <laughs> yeah. And I want the other side to go, I don't know what they're doing or what they're <laughs> drinking, but I want that. And yeah. it was like, that's what I feel that this player at this level, these elite players, it is such a grind. It is every day. And, and I didn't realize it until when I really, I never officially retired because Jensen's don't quit. The game passed me by. But when I stopped training and eating to be the best player in the world, there was this huge weight that was like, there was amount of pressure because every day, and I wasn't one of these guys that like Roger, like I'm only going to play like six events and I'm going to win all of them. Like I could win the tournament or I could lose first round. So there was always this, this huge amount of focus and determination to get better because everybody was so good. Right. So for me, I wanted everybody to have fun for the three weeks that we're going to play. We're going to have fun. And I remember Sloan coming onto her team. She, she had a match for us and she'd either just come back from Wimbledon or something, you know, you're mm-hmm. so fried and right. burned out and she's sitting there. And I said, you know, I, I recruited Sloan when she was a junior and she would turned pro and won Wimbledon or won the U S open and, so she's sitting on the couch in the players lounge. Yeah. And I said, Hey, you know, we're just come off of traveling from somewhere. Yeah. And the team, Hey, Sloan, how's it going? I said, Sloan, <laughs> I'm coach Luke and we're team awesome. And all we're going to do is have fun today. And she's looking at me. I said, whatever you do, we're having fun. Right. <laughs> and I remember she's playing Nicole Gibbs, one of her junior rivals. Right. So no matter how much you accomplish or money you make or titles you win, it will always come back to that person you had to play in junior. Gives is awesome. Like she's gritty. She's gritty. She's (laughs) smart. She doesn't miss. I mean, just everything. And she's like, and Sloan's like missing some shots. So I call it timeout because you can call timeout real (laughs) Yeah. So I shot out there and I go, Hey, are we having fun? And she's like, 
what? I was like, yes, <laughs> so much fun. Like, you get to play your junior rival and everything. And she goes, you're crazy. I, go, I know. This is great. And so she didn't win. But I'll oh, tell no. you, we had lots of fun. <laughs> so it's, I think when you work with the pros, you've got to make it a happy environment that they're relate. You have to find out early on what their relationship is with tennis. Because totally. if you get someone who feels that they have to be there, that, you know, whether it's the contract they signed or mom and dad still making them play, or maybe it's the only thing they've ever done in their life. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a real healthy environment, but if you can get them to laugh and, you know, in, in this thing where I always find if you play happily, your game flows, totally. you may lose, but you'll walk off the court and say, you know what? It wasn't a chore. It wasn't a job. We played tennis. So my approach really is to, and we've been doing all these uh, chats with the team. And so oh, cool. we give each other our time and, <laughs> and it's great. And so, I mean, there's some background. I'm about to, like, uh, Sabine Lasicki's a rookie this year. And she's all worried, like, I'm nervous. And I say, well, get ready because every rookie has to do a talent show. Oh, like, no. There is a, yeah, yeah. And she's like, like, what do I do? I say, like, in 94, I played the cello. So you played the cello? Oh, yeah. Play the cello. Oh. Like Billie Jean King in 74. She did tap dancing. And she's no. real. Oh, yeah. So you got to ask. So she thinks right now, like, she's, there's got to be, like, some talent show going on. So she's all oh, stressed out. She's, she, no. she's not thinking about her tennis. You know what I mean? She's not worried about it. She's just worried about some stupid talent show that I totally oh, made up. So I love it. I love it. So she, you're, oh, funny. my gosh. <laughs> So I, yeah, this is amazing. This is going to be such a fun couple of weeks for you guys yeah. competing out there. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> just awesome. especially after, you know, just this hiatus from everything. Yeah, totally so from life. <laughs> from life. And that, you know, we're basically in this bubble. We're in this together, whether we win or lose, to have a good time. The Greenbrier is one of the most iconic resorts in the world. I, I, honestly, when I also drafted, I drafted golfers because it's one of the most beautiful golfers. <laughs> so like Marty and Neil Skupski, Jack Sock, they all, and uh, Coco Vanderwey, she's a big golfer. So oh, we've yeah. got this. So we got this like mini Ryder Cup thing going yeah. right now, like the Brits oh, yeah. versus the Americans. Oh. And so, so I, you know, we're going to have some fun. We're going to have a lot of fun at this place. I need to be like an assistant coach for one of these, one of these years. You should. Seriously. I, I mean, I can be awesome and fun too. That's what I it's mean, all just about. Saying. That's what it's all about. Hey, so, so I have a question for you. What do you think's yeah. going to, with Roger just pulled the plug, right? He did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Was... I'm sure you've been talking about Novak and what went down at, it's really helped us kind of shape at World Team Tennis to be yeah. very mindful of what's going Definitely. on. Definitely. I mean, who's left? I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, who's going to get in that bubble and lock themselves in and rock it? But like, kind of like you were saying, if you're hungry enough, you're going to go get it no matter what and make sure that you're healthy. You're going to test as a healthy person, not have anything wrong. You've nope. been smart. So I think this U.S. Open such a good opportunity for these players who have always wanted to break through. Like, let's go. Yeah. I'd love to see someone come through. I don't know. And like Charleston's been so fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's so interesting because not everybody's going to be able to bring their full entourage. Right. It's going to be the plus one. I mean, it, it's old school. Like, you know, back in the day, you didn't have enough money to take anybody. So it's, it's so, that's going to yeah. be. I what you got? Like, yeah. Someone like Medvedev uh, on the men's side is very interesting. I think team 
Zverev, I think, if he gets – yeah, I mean, those guys haven't been tested positive, right? I haven't seen Correct. the latest. Okay, Correct. okay. So Zverev, Zverev's good. He he was tested. He's clean. Team's yeah. good. He's been tested every two days, and he's not sick. Wow, wow. Yeah. Okay, so, so, like, there you go. He's taking it pretty serious. Yeah, those two guys. I mean, watching them, uh, they're great follows on Insta. Yeah. I follow all those players, and, and it's very interesting, their mindsets. And to see someone like Zverev, he wants it so bad. I mean, mm-hmm. he's doing pull-ups with 50-pound plates, you know, chained to his waist. And, I mean, he's going to get better and better. Team, I think he's just right there. And mm-hmm. it was someone like Tiafo is going to come out of, you know, World Team Tennis. He's playing for Washington. He's going to come out with a lot of match play. You know, I have a lot of faith in the players on my team. I think Kim Kleisers be very, oh, you know, cautious yes. of her. I don't think they've announced if she's going to get a wild card yet, but former champion in the Hall She's of Fame. Yeah. You would think, but you know, the UST wants to give their young Americans a shot. True. I just think whoever really has been training for this defining moment and then really you got to believe. Yeah. Because to me, it, people ask me all the time, you know, the confidence thing and, you know, winning a grand slam. I said, I won in my mind. I, there was no doubt in my mind that I was going to win a grand slam. I didn't know it was going to be the French, you know, the Americans usually didn't do well on the, <laughs> on the red clay, but in my mind, like I was already there because I don't think if you truly don't know, you're going to get into the semis and you're going to get into the finals and it's going to be four all 1530 and you're not sure. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I, I mean, the biggest moment for me in my tennis life was oh three down in the finals in the, in the third set, we played two out of three sets. And, and I remember specifically, you know, giving the, the call, you know, to my brother where I'm going to serve mm-hmm. if I want him to poach or not. And then going around, going back to the baseline to serve, thinking, if I don't hold here, like we lose. Like you go down double break, you're probably going to lose. So I remember that defining moment for me and saying, like, whatever it takes to hold serve, get that first serve in, play good (laughs) fundamental tennis. But we're going to, you're going to get there as a player. And some young kid is going to get there. Sophia Kennan, man. She was awesome. We covered her at ESPN, you mm-hmm. know, before she went. We're just, we do these really cool things at the practice courts. And she's out there and she's hitting balls and she's the 14th seed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, oh yeah, there's Sophia Kennan, but Roger's over here and, you know, everybody's looking. <laughs> and she's out there just getting her work in. And, she's you know, awesome. she gets to the quarters, she gets to the semis, she's in the finals. You know, she's like not the favorite. Muguruza is just like hitting winners all over the place. And she's like down and she hits a bunch of winners and come out. I think that it was that O2 game. She ends up hitting like four or five winners in a row to down love 40. And I mean, those moments, you know what I mean? That, that, that you circle and go, this happened. The mindset was really instilled so long ago that mm-hmm. she knew like she could lose, but she wasn't going to be afraid of the moment. Totally. Yeah. And I have to say also through this quarantine, I think people have either decided that they really do love tennis or they don't because we work with some players and, you know, there's a bunch of players that were not showing that they were hitting Mm -hmm. on the court or practicing. They're kind of like keeping it to themselves. And then there were other players that just didn't play. And it was, I remember talking to someone and they're like, yeah, I haven't hit a ball in two months. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Don't you miss it? Like I found a way to play tennis. Like how? So I think the passion is going to start rising to the top and 
hard work pays off. Health too. I think it's helped a lot of people. I, I did a thing with Christiane and she's one of my favorite yeah. players. What she's doing on TikTok. I mean, she's got a whole. She's one of our sponsored players too. She's, she's going to be out there doing something beyond tennis is going to be awesome. Yeah. She's got a great personality. But her story, like her, her parents were, you know, she, I remember watching her play Safina at the US Open and she mm-hmm. loses like three and four. She gets seven games off of the eventual number one player in the world. I think the girl was two seed at the time and her parents are going, you're going to college. Yeah. <laughs> like you're not even, like pros. Like what, what are you crazy? I mean, yeah, that perspective. That's not even a question. That is so healthy. And you know, she didn't play number one. Gibbsy was on that team. Yeah, They won some national titles. I think she was the cause. She ended up closing out one national title. Yep. And like all of that, just you don't need to get everything right now. Everything comes in due time. And I just, I love watching and reading her story and following Mm -hmm. her and supporting her because that's, I believe, the way you should, you need to go to college. It's okay to, you can still play pro tournaments. Totally. But, you know, turn pro at 21, 22. I mean, Venus is 40 years old now. I mean, you can play forever. I mean, these older (laughs) players are showing if you eat right, do a lot of flexibility training, you can, you still have a great relationship with the tennis, with the pressure, Mm -hmm. you can do it. It's going to be interesting because I think, I'm kind of thinking the people that didn't play, they needed a little like disconnect from the game. Now they may get off to a slow start, maybe get off to a fast start. But I think when they're when the US Open turned on its green light that we're doing it, I think then then we're ready to go. But there was <laughs> yeah. so much unknown. And you know this as a tennis player, we're so used to playing every day. Mm-hmm. We're doing something every day. Professional football players, they train every day for 16 regular season games and then postseason. But like your whole mindset is your body, your body. Tennis is about rhythm and timing and, mm-hmm. and on the court. So I think when this this happened, I think a lot of players that were in the middle of their, their struggle and their suffering on the tour, mm-hmm. they disconnected. And I, I'll be very excited. Andrescu, I think, is going to come out of the gates fast. Yeah. She's someone who doesn't need a lot of match play. She's got a lot of ultra confidence, insane amount of confidence. Yeah. She knows her game. So I think someone like Osaka will be tricky because I think Osaka needs some reps. I think what she did at the Australian Open kind of messed up that golf match, played a lot of unforced errors, the number one seed defending champion, kind of messed that up. I I think the only good thing for her is the Olympics not happening till next year. A lot of pressure mm-hmm. being Japanese, getting mm-hmm. all those endorsements, $37 million last year in endorsements. That's good cash. <laughs> so uh, World Team Tennis doesn't have that kind of payout. We're, we're, I tried. I tried. I said, <laughs> mom and dad, we got the New York Empire. So we, we didn't have enough zeros on that contract. Oh, but no. The, uh, but it's it just the, I can go down the entire list of ranked players and go, I see someone really doing it. You know, like they're, you know, like a Sam Queer is going to come out blazing. He's got a lot of experience. He's healthy and he, he's fearless. He has no problem. Roger's yeah. not playing. Who knows with Novak, even if he does play, I he's know. not going to have the normal reps. He needs his physical fitness to be a huge factor. Yeah. Um, and there's Nadal sitting in the weeds. Just I know. sitting in the weeds. You know he, he's got to be part of it. You know he is. He's Defending not yeah. champion. I He's mean, exactly. one behind Roger. <laughs> He's sitting at 19 with the French right after that. By the end I of this that. year, he may be past Roger. Think about that. I mean, he could have two in the bag going into Australia. So I didn't say it. <laughs> you did. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're, you're a Rafa. So I was I'm a Roger, a Rafa. Fan. You're I'm Roger, a Roger fan. You're Roger fan. 
I love Roger. Who doesn't? They you can love them both. Their, they, yeah, you can. That's mm-hmm. the one cool thing. When I was growing up, you had to love McEnroe, Connors, mm-hmm. Lendl. Like, you couldn't be both. Yeah. Like you were all in on Connors. You were all in on board. And, and then it was Sam Agassi. And then, yeah, that's your generation, right? Those <laughs> yeah, guys. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those guys. I played Davis Cup on the Davis Cup team with those guys. It was nice. some good stuff. I mean, we had Sampras, Agassi, Chang, Courier. Courier. <laughs> practice partners were Patrick McEnroe, Todd Martin, myself. I mean, the practice squad had Grand Slams. Was, <laughs> that's insane. It was a good team. Oh, yeah, goodness. Was on that team. oh he was Dang. awesome. <laughs> I said, Johnny Mac, you, he is insane. He's so cool. He's like a cool dude. He gives his perception like he's always yeah. pissed off. But in the locker yeah. room, he's like really cool. <laughs> I love it. Like like but that's kind of like Andy Murray too. I think some people think he's just like a cranky old man sometimes, but he's a really cool guy. <laughs> yeah, and he's a practical joker. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's awesome. Yeah. He's awesome, yeah. Well, we could keep talking for hours, well, I think. I know what's kind of warehouse. What's on the warehouse? What's going what's on with the warehouse? Deals. You don't understand. <laughs> oh my god. Well, that's oh, why I that's why I kind of wanted to know how your tennis game was. I was going to ask you what you're using right now. I'm a Lacoste, man. I'm an ambassador. Shoot, you got Lacoste right now? Not bad, huh? Dang. I'm a Wilson Stepping man. Hey, I'll send you my bag check from Alaska. Please I'll do. Send, no, this is hilarious. <laughs> you won't, this is unbelievable. Sponsored by Wilson Sporting Goods. Okay. Uh, I was going to say, we have a sister company called Tackle Warehouse, just Ooh. in case. Yeah, for next trip. I like that. Fantastic. Yeah, we can get you hooked up. Tackle, I've never heard of that. That's fantastic. Oh, yeah. I can get my hooks, my line, my fishing poles and reels? Yeah. Everything really? from Tennis Warehouse, but in the fishing world. Yeah. Mind blown. This is amazing. I can get you a sponsorship. Oh, I don't need sponsors. Listen, you can't be sponsoring these people. Okay. They need to buy. Buy. I'll send you their website. <laughs> you can so... send me your credit card. Yeah, exactly. Get it just on file. Everything's on file now. Just by now. <laughs> Add so you guys are so you guys have been doing great. We've been doing good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. We did uh all work from home for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. That was fun and challenging, but we're all back at it and we're enjoying a lot of new tennis players in the world. Yeah. We are seeing people that haven't played in a long time or have never played. They're starting to play tennis. It's a sport that you can play while being socially distant. Mm-hmm. Number um, one. It's the number one sport. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, like a lot of kids right now, they can't play basketball. They're not able to play football. So yeah. I think tennis is gonna be a good opportunity for a lot of young athletes and we've got on insane deals right now it's actually crazy i look at the website constantly and i'm like how are we selling shoes at that price (laughs) (laughs) but i was just wondering because did all the shipments come in because i know a lot of companies that i've been talking to is they're not even getting stuff in from the ships like there's yeah yeah. there i mean like we've been operating just as normal but i know there's a few launches that have been a little slow to get in stock but not really. I mean, we've got some big racket launches coming up this summer. Wilson, like I, so Wilson told me about this new Fed. Can't oh wait no. for that one. I know. I know. So that's my racket of choice is the Roger Autograph. Okay, wait, the the, so you like the 12 ounce? Yes, 12.6. Very, very <laughs> interesting. So you add lead tape to it. I okay, so I used to, and then I got some new ones sent to me about a year ago, and they are high. The swing weight, I don't know if you're into swing yeah. weights. Yeah. The swing weight on one of them is 
348 <laughs> and then the other one's 346 so. oh man but i like a beefy racket yeah 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 so <laughs> it's the, the old school 90s way right so absolutely so the uh i got into the ids the okay. rf oh man i got the the chrome this oh. the rose gold <laughs> i'm just it's it's a it's an obsession it's and I so get on, nice. I get on Tennis Warehouse and I start clicking yeah. around and all of a sudden my my shopping cart is like, wait a second. <laughs> right. What is, what's going on here? And I'm looking for promo <laughs> codes and I'm looking, I gotta, I gotta work this down. Because I just start searching. I'm getting my lead tape in oh, there yeah. and oh, getting yeah. all the grips and the, the different shoes. And oh, it's wonderful. I there love was- your website. Thank you. Uh, I'll let everyone know that created it. Not me. <laughs> but I have a funny story. There was a lady this morning who was talking to one of our racket experts and she was ordering rackets and went through the whole process and decided on racket string and everything. And they're about to tell her the total. And she goes, don't tell me. Don't tell me. <laughs> Just take it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's the best. I do the same thing. I do the same. Thing. I don't. I just like fire in that thing oh, and yeah. forget. And then yeah. <laughs> the other day, I just like the box of shoes. I'm like, oh, that was a bad move. <laughs> it's the best, yeah. though, when you get home and you have a shipment. Oh, you're like, yes. Oh, you're so fired up. Oh, just yeah. ripping through it and going yes. nuts. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, Online shopping is the greatest invention since, like, the wheel. <laughs> Right? So easy. <laughs> so easy. So easy. Yeah. We're excited. New pro staffs are coming out. Yeah. There's a new pure drive coming out this summer. So new extremes are coming out from head soon. Ooh. We've got some classic Prince rackets coming out, like an old POG 107. I don't know if I was supposed to say that, but. <laughs> edit, edit, edit. And an old Capriati racket. So uh, They just showed I'm... her match with Hannon. Did you see that? I did. It was the, <laughs> that outfit with the stars. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Yes. She was mad. She didn't like a pissed off. You know, she doesn't want to see that match again. She lost that big match. But I was like, Jen, it's like one of the best matches ever played. Like, oh. would you, how's it? Would you have rather not have been part of that? Right. Or been part of, you know, she had some heartbreakers. Salish got her in the semis in a great match at the open. But uh, yeah, God, talk about a rock star. I, I, I played, love her. Love her. I played <laughs> mixed doubles with her at the Wimbledon. Nice. She she helped me get my only center court win. Nice. So I, I got a chance to play on there once. Of course, she's like 15 at the time. <laughs> she was the best player on the court. She got to the quarters, the singles or something like that. Oh but my gosh. It was, uh, it's kind of embarrassing when you're in like your late 20s and a 16-year-old is playing better than you are. <laughs> On grass. Well, I'm sure a lot of people are doing that with that with Coco Golf and oh, Kenan. I, I mean, those huh? guys are young. <laughs> look out for McNally. McNally's another one to look at. I'm a big fan of hers. She has such good hands. Oh, the Cincinnati, oh, the assassin. She's she'll serve in volley. She's smart. I played on the tour with her mom a little bit, but oh cool. She uh she's told she's got a great relationship with competition and pressure. And I love that they play doubles together. Yeah, I do. I too. hope they keep doing that because it just too. it gives the fans something cool and uh, and just improves their game, gives them more reps. Yeah, yeah, and it's cool just to see how you know they're teenagers and they're having yeah. fun. <laughs> I know, I know. It's nice. Yeah, they're taking over. They're taking over the tours. Uh, yeah, cool. the tours and TikTok apparently. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Anything else? What else do we want to cover? <laughs> I think that's it. I think we we hit shopping. I know. Fashion. Fashion is very important. If you look good, you play good. 
Totally. Uh, we've talked about the future of tennis, the current state of tennis, history of tennis. We didn't get into hair products. I've oh. been <laughs> The summer's been really crazy on my hair. <laughs> well, Venus did just start her own line of skincare and SPF. So when you see her, you can talk to her about that. Yeah. <laughs> How about those girls? They have gone oh, in such I an amazing that. direction. I, I'm going to be so, in so much pain when they stop playing. because I think I a mean, lot of people will. Oh, the game. They, they bring such an amazing energy to every tournament they're a part of. And um, that they're still playing it. That they love to play. They love to compete. But they've all, you know, even when they were growing up as teenagers, they were still going to school. Yeah. They were still getting their, I mean, talk about great balance and everything. My only wish was that Arthur Ash was still alive to help mentor them. They draw a lot of inspiration and wisdom from Billie Jean King. But mm -hmm. Arthur, I mean, he was, I mean, to know him was one of the most, amazing things in my life and that he took time to really talk about me as a person and where my life goes off yeah. the court. And then the tennis was always kind of last, but you know, to have someone who really took their time, someone with who had no time. I mean, he was, he was trying to change the world, but had time for me and talk about my direction. If, if they would have had a chance to really sit down with him, it would have, I think it would have really, they've done amazing things already. Mm -hmm. I mean, Olympia, how about Olympia? That so girl cute. is a rock star. <laughs> yeah. So, it's they're just going to continue to do ama amazing things and change change the world uh for good and it's uh it's yeah. So and Serena is the scary one for the US Open because she's like I'm there. I'm installed yeah, yeah. the court. I'll yeah, be yeah. ready. And like, even if she's not ready, it's like, if she wins her first round, she's scary because <laughs> you yeah. know, she gets better every match. <laughs> I think last year, I don't know, last year at the open, remember she had that opening match with Sharapova. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time where she, like, I always felt she kind of eased her way in the tournament. First two mm -hmm. or three rounds. If you didn't get her there, she'd have a, like a bad set or so. But after like the third round, she was gangbusters. Yeah. And so I think when she had Sharapova, like I was watching her on the practice road, she was locked in. She was lean and mean. And I think now she understands like the window in front of her is closing, not necessarily because she's not good enough, but how much does she have left in the tank for her body to be this healthy? Right. And I think Roger looking at 2021 saying, listen, I'm going to get in prime condition because mm -hmm. I probably only have maybe four or six slams left plus the Olympics. I know he wants to win Olympic singles gold. He's he's got some things out there he wants to accomplish and to get some breathing room between him and Rafa and Djokovic with that grand slam count. Yeah. And Serena wants that Serena wants that record so bad. Oh yeah. So I I just I wish he would just play with more kind of um happiness. You know, I keep on saying happiness because she just looks like she's pressing so much. She wants it so bad. And we play our best when it comes to us. And we, mm -hmm. you know, just just do your best. Try your best, figure it out, make adjustments, and then you'll find a way to win. She's always such a great fighter, but she's been in these finals and the kids with uh, nothing to lose. Yeah. You know, the Osakas, the Andrescu's, they just keep putting the ball in. And it's, uh, she just, boy, she just is putting way too much pressure on herself. Yeah. That's true. And it could be just that, like you said, the young ones, they, they don't really yeah. have anything to lose. So, and it's like, you're playing your, you're the person you grew yeah. up idolizing. Like the reason what cool you play, yeah. the reason you play like, I, Oh, I like her. I'm going to start playing tennis. And then 15 years later, you're playing her in a final of a slam. That's insane. And they're so they're but they're, they're intimidated. 
they're in awe, but they don't lose their focus. Yeah. I think Osaka was unbelievable. And Dresky was unbelievable. I mean, they really, at that moment, moment were out playing Serena, but Serena wasn't helping her cause and, and all that stuff. But it's, God, the U.S. Open, how they're going to, how do you impact energy? How do you, you know, because I'm watching yes. Charleston. It's kind of dead. And, it's hard you know, to watch. Yeah. <laughs> I was watching last night and I was like, and I love Lindsay and she's a great commentator, but I was like, oh no, I need, you know, like, and you got like Bethany out there and they're like all high energy, but you're it's hard. It's hard it's, not it's to hard. have that. So at ESPN, we're looking at a bunch of different things. I think you guys could do this at Tennis Warehouse. Have watch parties. Oh, we do every you, day in our you office. Know what I mean? No, no, but to your clients. <laughs> oh, yeah. What I'm For saying sure. is let's like, have a dedicated channel. Okay. Could we could do ESPN plus we get, you know, where we basically come in wherever you are, whether it's at your club and you're watching, whether it's at your home and we're going to do what we have now. I mean, yeah. I was doing this stuff with UTR. We're doing these UTR like clinics and things. Mm -hmm. We have hundreds of people going on and, you know, and playing and stuff. And I think just having no, I'm, I'm down. That's cool. Part. And you're so awesome at this. That'd be great. Just, okay, we're going to watch Serena play. Get <laughs> yeah. in everybody. And who's got a question? Let's go to Joe in Albuquerque. Or let's go to, <laughs> you know, Sally in Sioux City, Iowa. Yeah. And then start talking in, the, in that energy. You know what I mean? I think that would be so cool that would be having cool. these watch parties. And uh, we all, we're all in this. They bring this, this industry back. Yeah. We've got to help these clubs and these pros who've been hit so hard totally. to get back I because know. I feel bad for the independent pro, no health insurance. There's not I a lot know. of benefits. They're all contracted pros and they, they've been leaving in droves because there's no, I mean, you're just out. If this hits another second wave, this virus, man, I mean, how are you supposed to move forward? Yeah. Healthy thoughts moving forward. Yeah. 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 Wear yeah. your mask. Yeah. Wear your mask. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Yes. Get I, every, 20, every 20 minutes. I got my, yeah. I'm on the 20 minutes. I, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So no, that's watch parties. I'm here for it. Let's have a watch party. Let's we'll do a world team tennis that. watch party. Yeah. And a fashion show at the same time. Yes. Ooh, look what's going on at tennis warehouse. And maybe some cocktails too. Yes. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> lubricant is very important social <laughs> lubricant some some mimosas or something <laughs> that's, going. Right. that's right <laughs> awesome uh, well i mean like i said we could go on and on but we covered it we covered, we it. covered it that yeah. you heard it here first we talked about <laughs> all the things and everything in between and i have to just for the record say that this chat has been almost a year in the making yes that's right. <laughs> so I'm glad that I finally got a chance to catch up with you. I got and my headphones, got my, <laughs> figure out how to turn on the computer. And yeah, and hopefully we can do it again. Maybe we could do a post world team tennis recap Ooh. and a pre US open and a watch party. We're and a watch, a watch party. party. We're yes. doing it. Okay. Yes. Perfect. <laughs> we'll do it. So thank you so much for joining us. Any thank last you. words? Any last uh, motivational, like, never quit, keep hey, going, You're have looking fun. for the new shoes, the new rackets. <laughs> you're looking for the new Tennis Warehouse, baby. Tennis Luke warehouse. Jensen's a client. Murphy Jensen's a client. The Jensen brothers <laughs> believe in the warehouse. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to take that audio and make a commercial out of it now. <laughs> <laughs> We're storming the warehouse. Woo, watch out. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Luke. Loved Thanks having you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Take care, okay? Be safe. Woo. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you download your episodes. 
And be sure to visit our websites for all of the tennis deals at tenniswarehouse.com, tenniswarehouseeurope.com, and tennisonly.com.au. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and until next time, happy hitting. Happy hitting.